So I'm going to talk about um, how do we move from the agora, the, the ancient idea of the marketplace, to the polis, the, the city. Um, how can we think about high streets and town centres as part of working, successful, functioning towns and cities? And um, that's the book that um, is modestly called How to Save Our Town Centres. Um, published earlier this year by Policy Press, a little bit about me. Um, my background is actually as a journalist. When, um, when I did my degree, I went to the kind of compulsory careers interview that they have, and uh, they said, well, you could become a lawyer or you could become a journalist. And so I chose journalism and have skint ever since. Um, however, it did give me um, a good idea about how places work, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about how places work from all sorts of different angles. And um, for a long time, I ran a magazine called New Start, which is about urban regeneration, and I now work independently as a writer and researcher. Um, but, first of all, um, the most successful, possibly, regeneration scheme of 2015, some of you will recognise this, there's a Bristol connection. Uh, this, uh, this is uh, Banks's Dismaland, um, a critique of, of modern capitalism. And um, uh, as a critique of modern capitalism, it's been incredibly successful. Visit Somerset says it was worth £20 million to the local economy. So um, as Baudrillard observed in his twist on Marx's observation that history repeats itself first as tragedy and then as farce, actually farce repeats itself as history. So in thinking about town centres, maybe we should just give up and rebrand all our failing towns as crap towns live, and then people would flock to them and, and I'd be out of the job. Um, my presentation really is how can we avoid the crap towns live show and think of a better future for our town centres. So I'm going to uh, try and rattle through this quickly, some shared stories, uh, going back to that idea of the Agora, the marketplace, <coughs> thinking about shared spaces, uh, some social design principles, shared visions, how can we move towards a shared future, and how can we start to think about the common good. So um, picking up, I think, on some of the themes that Noel has already um, very eloquently outlined. Um, so this is Totnes in Devon. This is, um, this is a typical market town. You've got the open air market. Uh, it's England. It's raining, obviously. Um, you've got the shops behind Totnes, famous for its independent shops. But the vantage point from which this picture was taken is actually the Civic Centre. And the Civic Centre kind of wraps itself around the marketplace. And in doing so, it actually reflects the, the ancient idea of the Agora, the marketplace. Because the, the heart of the city is not just the commercial activity. Um, if you look at the Agora in Athens, what was going on there was it was the place for deliberation. The council chamber was there. It was the place for education. The school was there. It was the place for sport. Games were, were taking place there. Uh, it was the place where justice was done. The courts were there. And all this activity intersected, and that was what created a space that worked, and, and not one of those activities had precedence over the others. They worked together. The civic functions helped to create the commercial functions. The, the commercial functions helped to build the civic functions. They, the meeting place and the marketplace come together. And so, uh, 
this, this idea of the Agora was an, a, um, a metaphor I used when um, Mary Porters was asked to do her review about four years ago of the British High Street, and I got a bunch of people together to put a paper into that called the 21st Century Agora, thinking about social spaces, multifunctional spaces, as the way of thinking about high streets that work in a context where the debate about the high street is almost overwhelmingly a debate about retail and about the future of retail. And I think we need to move away from that to thinking about place and space as what creates places that work. So those stories have become increasingly fragmented as we think about how places um, are to, to move forward in the future. And this is Wolverhampton. This building is Wolverhampton Royal Hospital. Uh, you probably can't see it on the slides, but um, it, was, it, it says there on the lintel that it was supported by voluntary contributions. This was crowdfunding. This was the massive small of Wolverhampton of um, the, the late 19th century. And Wolverhampton Royal Hospital was created by the people for the people. And inevitably, it became obsolete as, a, as an NHS hospital. And so the, the good burghers of Wolverhampton thought we'd better have a new use for this. So they came up with a fantastic private sector-led regeneration project, £65 million, pounds, hundreds of new jobs, um, ending a 14-year blight. And who was this knight in shining armour who was going to rescue Wolverhampton? Well, of course, it was Tesco. So Tesco came in, got planning permission. They were going to, they were going to turn this into a new Tesco superstore um, until January this year, when Tesco decided actually it had other priorities. Uh, it has a few financial problems that people might have heard of. And uh, it pulled out. And this was then described by the local MP as a betrayal of the city. But, but I'd ask, who's actually betraying who? Um, is not the betrayal when we think the only future for spaces and places like that is as new retail emporiums? And we think about retail and, and the traditional supermarket <coughs> retail that, that has dominated um, the retail industry over the last 40, 50 years as the only way that we can rescue some of these places. Shattered space. Uh, this is Bury in Lancashire. Um, this is a new shopping centre, uh, one of the, the new generation of in-town shopping centres. Well, not, not quite so much in-town as edge of town. Um, I've seen the plans for this. They were um, brought together by a very, very reputable urban designer. And um, the plans show how this shopping centre reconnects parts of Bury with each other. Actually, you go there and that is not what is happening. This is a shopping centre that disconnects. And if you go around many of our towns and cities, you'll find that what's happening here is happening elsewhere. So Bury, the Rocks Shopping Centre, has disconnected the town from the traditional market, a very successful traditional market. Um, if you look at Stockport, you see a new shopping centre, newish, relatively speaking, called Mersey Way. Uh, it has shifted the centre of gravity down the hill from the traditional market and from the traditional town 
into a new space. So, so you're having towns that are emptied and stretched and dismembered. And the, the classic example of this that I refer to in my book is Stirling in Scotland. Now, if you look at Stirling, um, one of the most um, successful tourist attractions in Scotland is Stirling Castle. But you look at King Street, the main drag in Stirling, and it's dead. And why is that? The university is four miles out of town. The football club is out of town on the ring road. Even the school has been, de been demolished and rebuilt out of town. So there's nothing for locals to go into town to do and to see. And you, so you're seeing that disconnection. Instead of uh, all those activities uh, centering on the, the traditional core of the town, they've been spread out. Uh, and, and separated from each other. And, and a lot of that is because decisions are taken uh, about the interests of the football club or the interests of the university or the interests of the schools without reference to how the whole place works. Economic reductionism. Um, second bit of Greek for you today. The, um, the word oikos uh, is Greek for household. Uh, it's the root of the, the word economy. Uh, and the economy is actually about the household. How does a household function? Well, it doesn't function in a way where you only value the productive members of the household. It doesn't function in a way where you say that once people become old or ill, uh, they are no longer of value. But it doesn't function in a way where you say when people are too young to be productive, they're not of value. It's about the whole. And we, we have somehow managed to end up in a place where we only think of economy in terms of what creates GVA, what creates economic growth. And, and that kind of economic reductionism, I'd suggest, actually creates bad places. It means that we only think of maximising land value, maximising property value, maximising rental income, maximising turnover. And all the rest of it gets shoved to one side and shoved into neighbourhoods and shoved into the, the kind of social justice agenda, which is kind of tacked on. And, and we, we have this narrative, which is about business is great, you know, uh, uh, which, which government is pushing all the time. Business is great, Britain. Uh, and it's really crass because business is actually about the whole of life. And the whole of life is about business. We shouldn't be separating them all up and some army slicing them. And, and, and we shouldn't be thinking that business is great irrespective of its effects. Some business is fantastic. Some business is dire. Some business is pretty middling. We need to be a bit more discerning and then start to think what kind of business creates good places. So this is a picture of a pub at Sheffield Railway Station. It's called the Sheffield Tap. Um, it used to be the first-class lounge. It was derelict. It's been restored. Now, you don't need to do all of that to create a place that's economically successful, but you do need to do it if you're creating a really good place. And amazingly enough, you create a really good place and people want to use it, and it becomes economically successful. And um, the, the final fragmented story is about land ownership. And, and again, we look at most of our town centres and we've seen a disconnect between ownership and presence in the town. So, so a lot of the time, the people who own property in our town centres are not present in our town centres. The property is only there in order to extract rental income. It's there as an investment, but the, the owners are not investing in the wider place. So what they're interested in is 
guaranteed income. And guaranteed income comes from people like that, people like cash converters, people, people who can offer a good covenant and a steady income to the landlord regardless of what their impact on the town centre is. And so you go to somewhere like this, which is Yorkshire Street in Rochdale, and you see an entire street, which is basically um, pawn shops, loan shops, uh, the odd estate agent, uh, and, and endless charity shops. And, and there's nothing wrong with charity shops, but actually once you get a concentration of low-value uses and, and, and of... Um, uses that are very, very similar, then you create a place that people don't want to go to. So how can we change that? Three quick social design principles. <laughs> Think of the, uh, the town as a garden, a promenade, and a stage. Why a garden? Because green space is good for people. Cared for green space actually makes people want to go to places, want to use them. You know, think about Queen Square in Bristol. Think about what that green space has done. Uh, this is Todmorden, uh, what used to be a run-down mill town in West Yorkshire. Local people wanted to plant food to share as a way of addressing environmental issues, as a way of thinking about climate change. But actually what that did was it opened up a whole conversation about what kind of place Todmorden was going to be, and through um, the movement that's um, called Incredible Edible Todmorden, they created this green route for the town. And what the green route does is it brings together a town that was fractured and fragmented, and it creates a unity around it. And that green space actually binds the town together in a new way. And what's really interesting about that is it didn't come from planners, it didn't come from the local authority. It didn't come from developers and investors. It came from local people thinking about how they wanted their place to be. And the people who live in a place are actually the, the, the key assets that we need to draw on, the, the, the real investors. The people who invest their lives in a place are the people that we need to talk to. The town is a promenade. This is a place called Fitzroy in Melbourne, Australia. Um, it's putting the fun back in functionality. Yeah. We, need, we need to think about how we can make places that are just interesting to be in uh, and that we can be in slowly. So, so slowing down the pace of movement through places actually can make them better. Um, so in Melbourne, uh, Yang Gale um, did a study which showed that the number of street um, cafe chairs has risen exponentially as small spaces have been made available to people to, to create cafes, to create small businesses, to create places to be. Uh, and lo and behold, people actually want to use them. Now, it's not that the world has suddenly become addicted to coffee. It's that the coffee provides places for people to hang out and spend time. And even in Copenhagen, which has a really, really miserable climate, people sit outside <coughs> and enjoy open space. Um, and finally, the town centre is stage, a place for performance. And that's not just for the big events, the kind of things that Barrow was talking about this morning, but the local events, the performance by the people for the people, stuff that is impromptu and stuff that is locally generated. Because if we create places where people feel they can express themselves, then we create places where people want to be. So some shared visions. How do we widen our horizons? Um, we need to think about inclusion not as a bolt-on, but as central 
to what we do in our town centres. So this is an example of one particular building, the former station in Richmond, a victim of beaching, I believe, um, now revitalised as a meeting place and a marketplace. It's a place of production, consumption, enjoyment. It's got an independent cinema, it's got cafes, it's got a cheesemaker, it's got a beer, uh, a brewer. What more could you want in a place? Um, this is a shop in Sheffield. We need to think about celebrating the local. Local identity. What are the things that people feel strongly about? This shop has only been around for about 30 or 40 years. But people feel incredibly strongly about it. And so when it was proposed earlier this year that it would be demolished, um, um, there were 20,000 people objected to planning proposals. Um, needless to say, Sheffield City Council said, our hands are tied, we can't do anything, because uh, uh, the, the plans are all in, in line with legislation. Sorry, you might want this, this bookshop there, but, but tough. Uh, and so we, we need a planning system that actually recognises the importance of local identity, local products, the things that make a place what it is. And a civic vision. We need to stop thinking about sectors and start thinking about how we can be actors in the whole place. So uh, we've heard a lot about sectors today, and we'll, we'll hear a lot more. We, you know, we've heard about the importance of the design sector. We've heard about the importance of uh, architecture. You know, every sector knows its expertise and thinks it's important. But um, you know, even the highway engineers who, who uh, you know, are sitting over there somewhere near the seventh circle of hell and can actually controlling everything. You know, they think they're really important, but we need to think about the whole. We need to bring it together. And this is um, Coin Street in South London, South Bank of the Thames. It's a housing project, but it's not just a housing project. Um, it started with people wanting somewhere to live when their homes were threatened with development and, and the GLC as then was wanted to turn Coin Street into an office city. They fought for homes uh, that were affordable for local people, but what they also fought for was public space. They created a park, they opened up a riverside walkway, and they created a place that was good for everyone. And that, that was because they weren't prepared just to sit and think about themselves purely in terms of housing, but they wanted to think about how the whole place would work for everybody. So. How do we think about the common good in the future? And uh, in my book, I use the illustration of the commons, the idea of places that are resources for all. And if you look at some of the economic thinking of the commons, people like Ellen Ostrom, you see that it's, it's about trust and about shared management of space. And I explore in the book how uh, we can think not just of green spaces like that as the commons, but of urban spaces. The value in our town centres is not created by individual developers, individual landowners, individual retailers. It's created by them all coming together. And because they all come together, you need to have relationships of trust and of dialogue between them. You need to think of it as a common asset and not as an asset that is controlled by individuals or by a local authority or by anybody else. Sharing the profit, we need, we need to spread where the value goes. So a study in Totnes found that two-thirds of the local spending went to just two retailers. We need to think about how we spread that out further. How do we share the profit so that we're supporting local businesses, local networks, creating opportunities? Share more stuff. How do, how do we use 
our high street spaces, our town centre spaces, to create opportunities to bring people together and use the digital economy and digital futures to, to create those opportunities. Uh, so one thing that I'm very interested in is time banking. It's a scheme where you value the time of people who don't have income and, and who, who, who are often on the margins of society and say, actually, you guys are useful. You guys can make a contribution and you can be rewarded in ways that are not monetary. And how do you start creating symbolic actions that show the direction that you want to take? So this is the Brixton pound. Heard a bit about the Bristol pound today. There's, there's various other local currencies. What's interesting about them is that they say symbolically, we want to support the local economy and we're going to do everything we can to do that. Uh, so creating places to be, not just places to buy, is, is what it's all about. And we must never underestimate the value the added value that's created by lounging and loitering and doing nothing. Uh, and that's part of what creates good places. And amazingly enough, it's part of what creates economically successful places. So that's the book. You can uh, get it from uh, Policy Press, or um, I've got a couple of copies if you want to grab me afterwards. And finally, I'll leave you with a bit of graffiti, sadly no longer there in Sheffield. Um, but my motto, which is, if you don't have resources, but you have people, that's what matters. Nothing but someone is something. Thank you.